0: So Money episode 1577, Daily Habits and Routines that Fuel Your Health and Wealth with Liz Moody, host of the Liz Moody podcast and author of the new book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place.
0: Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: Money is entangled with our health in so much more simpler and nuanced ways. It, it's. Entangled in our health and the food that we get to choose to fill our plates every day. It's entangled in our health with the insurance plans that we get to choose. It's entangled in our health with the prescription medications that we can afford. It's entangled in our health with if we can afford to get a second opinion. It's entangled in our health if we can afford to get an out of network therapist or if we can afford to hit our minimums before we can start having our insurance cover our therapy. I think there's so many ways that money matters for our health, that to say that financial wellness and financial education isn't important is just ignoring a huge, huge part of the picture. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh
0: Tarabi. Happy Wednesday. In this episode, we're gonna talk about wellness culture with an expert who has more than a decade of experience in the health and wellness world. She is Liz Moody, host of the Liz Moody podcast, author of the new forthcoming book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, and an all-around fountain of wisdom. One of the things I love most about Liz is that she really relies on science to provide her tips and tricks that span the spectrum of health. And she doesn't do anything for the likes, as she says, and yet she has amassed over a million followers across her social media platforms. She and I talk about financial habits that can contribute to wellness, how to tell the difference between fact and fiction in the wellness world, and Liz's own foray into the world of wellness. It didn't always start with healthy, fresh meals, but we all got to start somewhere. Here's Liz Moody. Liz Moody, welcome to So Money, wellness
1: royalty and podcast royalty. It's great to see you and have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's so funny that you call me wellness royalty. I know that you're just joking around. But it's funny because neither of my parents are particularly into any of this stuff at all. I've been slowly integrating like green smoothies into my dad's life. He is a daily cigar smoker. And then my mom is definitely one of those eat to live like calorie counting types where I grew up being told the amount of calories in every single thing that I consumed. Uh, So not royalty in that sense, but very much appreciate the introduction. And I like to think that I'm um, an example of that you can come from eating the worst diet. I don't think I ate a vegetable until I was <laughs> literally in my 20s and and get to here. So uh let's
0: connect those dots and <laughs> and I want to understand I know I know some of your journey. I know I, and I love when I meet people who you worked in traditional media, so to speak, not social media. You weren't born a social media influencer. You have a history, a career history in editorial and and traditional media, I I can say. And now you're your own brand, your own personal brand. You are the North Star for so many people who I think uh, work in media and want to kind of branch out and break out. So Mm. interesting that you don't really have this background in what you would now today practice and what today you would call wellness. What's your Overall like philosophy when it comes to wellness, we're having a wellness moment, (laughs) so much misinformation. I love that you're so science-based, but what's sort of your overarching philosophy?
1: Wellness should make your life better, not worse. Wellness is a tool that we can use in our toolboxes. So it can be something that can help our guts feel better. It can be something that helps us with mental health struggles. I personally came to trying to treat my body better when I was in a period of really extreme anxiety, Mm -hmm. But the second that wellness, the tool of wellness is making your life worse, it's no longer wellness. Wellness is not a destination that we're trying to reach. It's a set, hopefully, of science-backed tools that we can access to help us live our best lives. So I always say that the second you're, not going out with friends because you're worried about what's going to be on the menu. The second that you're looking down a to-do list of habits that you feel like you need to integrate into your into your day every day just to be well, to be healthy, the second that you're stressing out about the routines that you're trying to pepper your life with, that's no longer wellness. How do we do that? There's so much information. <laughs>
0: I was just following a health... And fitness guru, yesterday, I started following her on Instagram. Can't tell you her name. It's it's too soon. It's too new. But um, I was telling my husband, I was like, if I was to actually start following her fitness routine and her protein intake routine, like it's a full-time job. Just yeah. meal planning Getting my protein intake. I I have two kids. I I like to sleep. I like to shower. How do we streamline this? How do we make this simple for ourselves? It sounds like maybe I should get off social media a little bit. Just follow (laughs) Liz Moody, but everybody else, maybe I can mute.
1: (laughs) I mean, I definitely think some solid social media boundaries can be really, really helpful. But I think the easiest way to think about that, I think, is to treat wellness, like you are a two-year-old and just be asking why, why, why? Like, you know, when you're talking to a little kid and you're like, the the sky is blue and they're like, why is the sky blue? And you're like, well, there's a lot of moisture condensation and the way that the light is reflecting off of it. And they're like, why? And you're like, well, the light is coming from the sun. Do that with anything new that you're integrating into your routine. So if you're being told to add a bunch of protein into your diet, ask why. And that why can include, what's the source of this information that I'm consuming? That why can include, how am I trying to feel? That why can include, what are my goals for my lifespan, my health span, my mental health? the structure of my daily routine, not everything is going to be a tool that everybody is going to use at every single moment. So I think using that relentless chain of whys is going to help you narrow in on the tools that are going to be most useful to you. It's one of the reasons that I structured my book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, in the way that I did. It's a hundred different tips. They're sectioned into 18 categories from uh, how to be more confident to how to make your gut feel great, to how to live longer, to how to have more energy. And at any moment, you can be like, I have been feeling really low energy lately. Let me explore these tips in this section. And then maybe at a different time, you know, you're feeling a little like you haven't been giving your relationships the attention and love they deserve. So you're going to go and apply those tips and tools. I think it's about really analyzing what your goals are and recognizing that they're not going to be the same as the person you follow on social media.
0: I appreciate that so much. Like so many wellness books are like, here are the seven steps or the six ways. And then at the end of that book, you're supposed to have it all figured out. But I think (laughs) what you're saying- Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) And then you're on to the next book. But what you're saying is that your wellness is a journey. There are stages. There are Seasons, and sometimes your body needs one thing more than the other. And your book has that comprehensiveness. I'm also hearing from you, the journalist in you, the who, the what's, the why's. I love that, <laughs> that you bring that that professional curiosity to your work now as a personal sort of thought leader brand. How is your editorial background? food director at Mind Buddy Green, contributor to Well and Good and so many other platforms informed your take on wellness now as someone who is working for herself, solopreneur. I think
1: it's informed me in a few fun ways. One is I am meticulous about sourcing. The interesting thing about working for outside publications, and I've written for so, so, so many of them, is that your name isn't only on the line, but their name and their reputation, which they've built over years and years and years before you even got there is on the line. So you are so careful Mm -hmm. about not putting out any information that could be wrong, that could be misinterpreted, et cetera. And I think having that training and that instilled in my head is really helpful as I'm deciding what exactly to say, what to share with people and the exact way to say it. I'm very, very careful about my words. Two, in a very obvious way, I've studied writing interviewing, communication for years and years and years and years and years. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, And I think that that shows through in my work as well. And then three, I have a very holistic approach to all of these things. I don't think that eating a certain way alone is going to change your life. I don't think that having a certain fitness routine alone is going to change your life. I don't think that our relationships alone are going to change your life. I think that they all impact each other. Your gut microbiome is going to impact your mental health, which is going to impact your ability to show up at work, which is going to impact your stress levels, which is going to impact your microbiome. And I think being aware of how these all of these different factors play in together is really important. And that's something that I... I take from my traditional media background, we would sit in these editorial meetings, which is my favorite, favorite thing. It was so fun. It's just a bunch of brilliant people sitting together and saying, what do people need to know this week? And having these really interesting conversations, but you would really get a sense of how everything is connected and how all of the different sections of every editorial site, every magazine are supporting Mm -hmm. each other and how the different ideas play off of each other. And I think I very much brought that into- my perspective on wellness.
0: And I had a stint at magazines. I mean, you also have to learn how to bring your voice to the forefront. And, you know, magazines have a universal voice, but there's also the writers have their own POVs. And you're right about fact checking because I almost got fired for uh, a, a fact mistake. I read that in yeah. your book. <laughs> Which well, will it's, to- it's a... <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that on your podcast, the Liz Moody Podcast. Yes.
1: It was it was a fun one though because it, it just shows like the attention to detail. It was one single mm-hmm. word. For you. Mm. And I think that having that attention to detail can sometimes be lost in this day and age where you're trying to put so much content out. We're all, we all get a little dopamine paying from like if a post goes viral. So we want to say something that's like a little bit controversial. And I've had to really check myself and be like, I'm not going to do stuff for likes, for views. I want to build something that's sustainable and I want to build something that is really changing people's lives and not just getting them fired up on the internet, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Your stuff is
0: so super authentic and sustainability. I love that you are, are cognizant of that because I think that so many people online are just racing to the bottom. Uh, I love that expression. Who gave that to me? I think it was Gary V. believe it or not. <laughs> I interviewed him years ago and he's like, so many people are just racing to the bottom. And I think what he meant by that was like, they're just chasing the shiny objects. They're mm-hmm. just doing the quick win oriented things. And I think that your approach to this, you know, mindfulness around sustainability is, is outstanding. I mean, I don't think that that's everybody. How do you do that and not get discouraged? Because I'm sure that sometimes, you know, you might feel like you're not moving fast enough or things aren't progressing fast enough. Like you have to play that long game.
1: For sure. I would, I'll give you a practical piece of, Uh, advice that I tell myself. And then I'll give you something that's a little bit more esoteric. I think practically, if you're going to do anything in social media, it's going to ebb and it's going to flow. And the people that have long-term careers in social media don't get scared away by the ebbs. You will go through long periods where you're not growing at all, where it feels like nobody's seeing your posts. And literally the difference between the people who are super successful in social media and the people who aren't is the people who are successful Look at those abs is just like, I'm gonna keep putting out my best content and someday this app will turn into a flow and stuff will spike. I didn't grow on my account for a six-month period really recently. And it was hard. It's hard when you're producing content that feels really, really good and you're proud of and you don't feel like it's reaching the people that you want it to reach. And then a few weeks ago, I started growing again and I grew like a hundred thousand in. I don't know, like a few weeks. So it just it's it it goes up and down, and that's the life cycle of every single creator that I have ever talked to and being able to buoy yourself and just keep creating is so, so important for surviving those ebb times and getting to a flow. The flow is around the corner, I promise. There's (laughs) a girl that I follow on social media and she's like, every flop era is followed by a slay era. And I think that's like a nice way to put it. Your slay era is just around the corner. And then a little bit more esoterically, um, I think that putting out content that you feel really good about, I put out content that I feel so good about that if five people see it, I'm like, this content is going to change these five people's lives. I need them to know this information. A lot of this comes from stuff that I like sit down while my husband's trying to work at his computer. I'm like, I have to tell you this. Mm -hmm. It's, It's information that I'm really excited about and that I really think everybody should know. And I think as long as you're doing that in any sort of content field, you're able to have a little bit more longevity because you're going to be excited to create the work Mm -hmm. every single day.
0: So we've learned Liz Moody's kind of boundaries and rules around being a creator and having longevity and sustainability in your career. We've learned about your philosophy around wellness. I want to get into some money stuff, but because you're such a brain, I just want to know, like, what excites you about the wellness frontier? Like, I feel like we have exhausted so many tips, tricks, ways, diets, fads, this, that. What is around, like, you know, if you just want to know what's trending now, like, go to TikTok, like, someone's making a... Last year it was feta. This year it's cottage cheese. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not really what I'm wanting to know. What I really want to know is like, in terms of our health and quality of life, what are, are there like new ways, new discoveries that you're coming
1: across? Yeah, we actually just did an entire podcast episode about this where I interviewed two of the most impressive scientists. Like I have decorated scientists on my podcast all the time, but I was reading through their bios in the intro and I'm like, holy cow, these are like the most, these people are inventing patents for genomics and just like all this crazy stuff. And they talked me through where healthcare is going and where wellness is going. And it is fascinating. I would say personalized medicine is going to be the next frontier. So that involves very easily being able to get your blood screen. So you're taking uh, vitamin and nutrient panels that are like specifically for your deficits in a very specific nuanced way that involves uh, having your DNA tested and using that to formulate treatment plans. They have a thing where they they test your DNA, wa- they test your DNA, they test your blood glucose, they test a few other factors, and they were able to identify cancer in a woman like months and months before anybody else was able to. They said on the podcast, it's a complicated uh subject matter and like way to get there, but they think we're like 10 years out from having something much, much more akin for to a cure for cancer, wow. which blew my mind. Alzheimer's is another one that we are making such huge progress for. So they sh- they share all the different like tests you should be getting and the ways you can begin to take advantage of that, whether that's having, you know, your own health trackers at home. Like I have an aura ring, they have whoop, they have Apple watch starting to like, get those little bits of data about yourself so you can begin to address your health Mm -hmm. on an individual level instead of having to rely on these huge studies that are so, so helpful. Like obviously peer-reviewed double-blind studies are the gold standard, but they don't speak to your individual health Mm -hmm. as nuanced and specifically as we're going to be able to in 10 years. Wow,
0: that is really exciting and encouraging for anybody who wants to enter the medical field. There's yeah, still a lot of work
1: <laughs> to be and done. And for us, yeah. like I'm so, that episode made me so excited to get my DNA set, my DNA tested and like all of the, I was, I was a person who was always scared of that because I was like, what if I find out I have the Alzheimer's mm-hmm. genes? And he, they were like, there's so much empowering things you can do with this information now. And it's just getting more within our power, the future of healthcare and wellness is going to be so much more within our power than we think. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. All
0: right. Thank you for that. I'm going to listen to that episode. I'm going to make a note of that. I know, because there's a lot of fear
1: around figuring out, finding out your truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I've, I've been so scared of it. And this episode was like, it made me not scared. Wow.
0: Well, <laughs> speaking of not scary topics, let's talk about money. That was a joke.
1: you're like I just wrote a whole book about fear about money (laughs) yeah and I'm putting
0: one foot things are happening you know I'm thriving so there's (laughs) life after that uh but what you have a lot of wellness philosophies and and thoughts on on health and wellness what about money do you have money rules ways that you have um for example you talked about reducing decision fatigue in your finances Mm -hmm. which contributes to
1: more happiness I would think. For sure. Um, I talk about money a lot in the book and I also talk about money a lot in my life. And I'm very excited to ask you all of my questions about money uh, when I get to interview you. But money has been a really interesting journey for me. I Used to be the kind of person I would joke that I was anxiously attached to money based on sort of like psychological attachment theory where you're anxiously attached to your Mm -hmm. – what are you? You're anxious, secure, or the third one I always forget, avoidant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, I'm anxiously attached to money. Isn't that cute? Isn't that fun? Ha, ha, ha. My husband handles all of our money stuff. I just like making it. Um, and I realized not that long ago, I was interviewing Rameet Sethi who wrote, I will teach you to be rich. He started in that, in that Netflix show. And I was like, it is not cute to be uninformed about money. (laughs) It's not funny. It's not silly. It's me getting in the way of my own financial dreams. And I always say that finances are so inextricably entangled with wellness, You hear it on the side of people being like, oh, I can't go and like get a sauna and a cold plunge and do a float and all these like really the $30 Erewhon smoothie, whatever. (laughs) Like you hear it on that side of like wellness. Wait, I thought it was 18. Now it's 30. What the heck? I think it depends. Inflation, man. (laughs) But like obviously, a lot of the bougie or wellness stuff costs money, and that's true. But money is entangled with our health in so much more simpler and nuanced ways it it's Entangled in our health and the food that we get to choose to fill our plates every day. It's entangled in our health with the insurance plans that we get to choose. It's entangled in our health with the prescription medications that we can afford. It's entangled in our health with if we can afford to get a second opinion. It's entangled in our health if we can afford to get an out of network therapist, or if we can afford to hit our minimums before we can start having our insurance cover our therapy. I think there's so many ways that money matters for our health that to say that financial wellness and financial education isn't important is just ignoring a huge huge part of the picture.
0: What was money like for you growing up what were what were some of the experiences the memories um, you have some obviously some memories of your parents and their health routines but anything with regards
1: to money? Yeah my parents were divorced. My mom didn't, she got in an accident when I was two years old and she didn't work after that accident. And so we always had some money, not a lot, but it was like stable. And she wasn't, a raise wasn't on the table. It's just the same amount of money every single year. And then my dad, we were just like very solidly middle-class. My stepmother was very, very anxious about money. She was a stay at home mom and I had two sisters. And so we were a house of five on one income, which I feel like picturing doing that now gives me like palpitations. I'm like, I'm a household of one cat and two adults and it still feels hard. Um, But it was, it wasn't a taboo subject in my house. It was just like, it wasn't talked about in a positive way. It was never like, oh, it will empower you to learn about these things. It was more like money is hard to get. And if you get it good for you and you can use it to kind of buy your groceries and do your daily life.
0: Yeah. It wasn't about like the future,
1: investing, entrepreneurship, no, no. I like did not learn how to invest until last year. I had no savings until I think two or three years ago, like literally none. And I think there's an interesting thing that happens in New York City, too, which is where I live for most of my 20s, where most of my friends were living more or less month to month as well. And that's very condoned in places like that because it is so expensive and everybody is going after their dreams and spending all of their money on apartments. But even with because nobody's saving, you feel a little bit freer like, oh, I'll spend my last money on a trip or going out to this dinner. Like the lifestyle is put above having any savings. And in some ways, I am really happy about that. Like I had a really fun time in my 20s. And in some ways, I feel like I woke up a few years ago and I was like, am I behind in life? Like, I don't have any savings. I don't have any retirement. I don't have any, um, like anything. I, I felt really unsafe. So what did you do? What was the first step? we my husband and i sat down together and we talked about it and the first thing we actually did was we listened to ramit's book on audiobook on a long drive and i thought i think that that's the kind of thing that's really nice to do especially if you have a partner is to listen to an audiobook about money out loud and so you can constantly be pausing it and having these conversations about what are our goals around this how does this align with our thinking um which we did it was like a I don't know. I don't know how long it was. Maybe it's like a thirteen-hour audiobook, but it took us at least twice as long to get through it because we would pause it all the time and have these mm-hmm. conversations. And then we set up. Oh God, the like time in, bonds. The, the
0: um yes, the their index funds that are yes um, the time value. You set it for, yeah, like the retirement yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like a reverse retirement account where it's like I'm going to retire in twenty, whatever forty. And so it um, it recalibrates every so often to be risk adjusted as you get older. And yeah, um, I forget. I know what do they call age based? Yeah, something like that. Yeah,
1: I always forget them. But it, it's they it's have a nice different way names. Like I set it and forget mm-hmm. it. And so we put money into an investment fund every single month now. And we also had a really big conversation about what are our financial goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very helpful because our goals aren't the goals that i feel like society tells you to have like i'm not particularly interested in home ownership at this moment that might change in the future uh, but that's not that's not a goal for me right now. I do have goals to be able to like take my family on oh. vacations and I have goals to be able to help out my husband's family with like doing house repairs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I definitely have goals around being able to eat a certain type of food mm-hmm. that I want to eat. I just started a few months ago paying somebody to meal prep for nice. me, which felt so exorbitant and so insane. And every part of my money anxiety pushed back on that decision. But when I took the plunge, it has helped my anxiety. It's helped my spaciousness of my time. And it honestly doesn't cost me that much more because I am... uh, a bad grocery shopper, I'll say. Like well, <laughs> it's an investment, so, but yeah. it pays
0: off with dividends. I mean, you just talked about yeah. some of the benefits, but like t- saves you time. It probably reduces waste. You're getting the foods that you want and eat, and that that is –
1: not think that's not a small thing. Well, for me, it's fun because I give them my recipes. Yeah. So I get to like write my own recipes and then I just have somebody else make me my recipes. Uh, And it's it's amazing. It's really, really, it's changed my life more than anything else. And so I Mm -hmm. would say to anybody listening, becoming very clear on what your financial goals are and what you're trying to achieve with your money. I think sometimes we get very caught up in like, how do I save? How do I invest? And we're like, what is it all for? Like, why are we trying Mm -hmm. to make money? What is, what? how should we use money to shape our best lives and lives we want to live? And sometimes that means spending, not just penny pinching and
0: saving. You talked about time, which is another form of currency. It's another, basically another type of money. And I want to know what are some other ways you are living at the intersection of saving time, maybe saving money and living your best life.
1: Can I say that? You know, like getting
0: a return on your health.
1: Yeah, um, so the meal prep is probably the biggest one. We do have a cleaning person whom I love who comes and cleans the house every week. Um, And that's been an interesting thing because we've been living nomadically, uh, which, so we find like a new person in every place that we've been because we're only there for like a month and I find a new meal prep person. And I would say that's not the most time efficient thing, but I get my time back later. Um, I think the nomad living is an interesting money thing Because we kind of did it. And the reason it took us so long to be willing to get rid of it is because it let us live in vacation places without having to pay for vacation, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. We'd basically be taking our rent money and putting it towards living nomadically in a place. And I was so loathe to go back to paying rent money and then having to pay extra money to be in Colorado, to be in Whistler, et cetera. And we're going back to that. But I, I actually think that's going to be an interesting time money trade because instead of packing and unpacking and getting our footing somewhere new, we're going to get that time back Mm -hmm. and be able to put that towards our jobs and our communities and our relationship and things like that. I bet you've learned real well how to pack light. (laughs) Yeah, I the packing. Let me t- like nomad life. Do you consider yourself the a minimalist? Is the worst Do part. you consider yourself a minimalist? Uh, mm. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. My husband wishes I did because he's like much. He's like the Tetris person with our packing, yeah. and I'm just kind of like, you got it, babe. Uh, so he wishes I was more of a minimalist. But no, I travel with podcast equipment and my favorite possum of my Vitamix, and my weighted blanket. <laughs> mm. Oh, the weighted blanket, <laughs> so which he- takes up so much. Wait. (laughs) I will say I don't – I'm not a fan of having stuff for the sake of having stuff. I am that relentless two-year-old asking why for everything I purchase just because I feel – I'm feeling more and more icked out by – the amount, the sheer amount of waste that we're generating on a day-to-day basis, the casual ordering of crap that we do not need just because we see it on social media, we see it on Amazon. We're like, oh, I might as well buy that. I'm feeling more and more grossed out by my own habits around that. Uh, so I've I've been asking myself why, why, why when I buy anything? And then I also have I have, do you know what notion is? No. It's like a organizational system. It's like a very fancy note-taking app that you can have on your computer and on your phone. And I have a category. I put every single thing onto my notion in my life. There's a section in my book about cognitive offloading, and it's about how much better our brains work when we get all of the bullshit out of our brains so that we can let them function in the higher capacities that they're so good at. And I have a section on my notion called like things that I want to buy. And anytime I want to buy something, I put it on that section on my notion and it'll sit there for like at least a week. And if I still want it in a week, I'll buy it. But 99.9% of the time, like I get that dopamine hit just from putting it on the list. Yeah.
0: And then the dopamine levels come down. And you're like, oh, (laughs) no, I already have that. It's just another pair of jeans. What was I thinking? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Your book and your podcast are very integrated. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, um, as we part ways, just, um, you know, what you're really excited about with this book and also how it's going to put your your podcast in the spotlight. I did that with my book, too. Like, use use the content that you have. Leverage it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I My goal with this book was that it would really combine the best of of the podcast. I wrote it initially because podcast listeners kept asking for a resource that they could go back and reference. Yeah. We're big action podcasts. We give you all the science and then we're like, here's what you should actually do with that. And I think people wanted to be able to reference like, oh, wait, in this episode, you talked about this or this. So I took all of the best of the podcast. I took all of the best of my own wisdom. And then I extended that even further I was that relentless two-year-old which is the theme (laughs) of this episode and I was like wait they suggested this but why 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 and I followed the research down and I really built out a robust group of tips it's a hundred tips for every single part of your life and they are formatted where you get the science first you get to dive deep into the why of something and then you get the action tip I find with some books that I read it's a lot of the science. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so, so interesting. But what do I actually do? Like, how am I applying this to my life? I want my life to change today. And I leave like feeling very satisfied. You know that family, you're so satisfied when you close the book and then you're like a little bit empty a day or mm. two later because you're like, wait a second, like, what am I doing with this information? And I did not want anybody to have that feeling with this book. So every single bit of science is coupled with like, here is how you apply it today. And I'm really, really proud of that. So I hope people like read it all the way through, try the tips that resonate with them, leave it in their bathroom so they can be like, oh, I want a little dose of inspiration today. I'll read this, leave it on their coffee table, leave it on their bedside table. I really wanted to format it too in that quick snippet way. I'm so big on finding ways to not be on my phone in those little interstitial moments in our life. You know, when you have like, five minutes while you're waiting for your pasta water to boil and you pick up your phone Mm -hmm. and you scroll through social media. And it's just like you're wasting these tiny chunks of five minutes throughout your day. And so I wanted my book to be something that you could get a really satisfying experience in those five minutes, which is why it's formatted in this quick tip. You can pick it up. You can read the tip. Your pasta water can boil and you can eat your dinner. You know us so well, Liz Moody. (laughs) I have to say, I am us. (laughs) You are us.
0: Um, And we are so grateful to have you on this show. And everybody, check out Liz's book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success. And I think at the end of it, you can also be really good at money because all of that that just feeds (laughs) into your wealth. Health is wealth, as we say. And of course, the Liz Moody podcast. I follow you on Instagram because I can't figure out TikTok, but I'm sure you're very active there too. (laughs) I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Oh my gosh. I think it's, it's over. If you want, otherwise you can (laughs) skip it. That's a good point. Maybe I just don't want it enough,
1: you know? Yeah. I'm a big, I think what we eliminate from our lives is as important, if not more so than what we add to it.
0: And on that note, thank you again so much, Liz Mooney. I'll be checking out your book, and I hope everybody listening will too.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome.
0: Thanks so much to Liz for joining us. Please check out her new book, which comes out soon. It's called 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success. We'll have that link in our show notes. And if you have yet to pick up your copy of A Healthy State of Panic, would love you to check it out. I wrote this book for us. You can learn more at ahealthystateofpanic.com. I'll see you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. Until then, I hope your day is so money.